So for the longest time, I have been wanting to have on a professional in the relationship, sex, marriage, counseling field that can come on and answer some of your guys' questions. I know that you wrote in um, and we can have an honest, real conversation regarding sex and relationships, especially you know, for the those who are in college right now, because I know majority of my listeners are college students. And I am super excited because that day has finally come. Emily Lacey, I have on, she's a sex and relationships therapist currently at Emma Schmidt and Associates. Hi, Emily. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is, it's truly an honor to be able to be here and talk about this. So before we kind of jump in here, can you provide the listeners with just a short bio, um, what you do currently, the school you went to, any other fun facts we should know about you? Sure, sure. So um, like you've already kind of explained, I'm a sex and relationship therapist at Emma Schmidt and Associates. Um, I started my education journey at West Virginia University um, and I graduated there in 2016. And then I did my graduate work at Liberty University online and I'm still doing <laughs> graduate work. I'm getting, I'm midway through my doctorate now. Um, so fun facts about me, we've traveled. So I started moving around the country 10 years ago. My husband's active duty army. So we've just every two to three years been like hopping around. Um, I have two daughters and I have two dogs and that's so I'm busy, busy all the time, but I specialize mainly, you know, I do a little bit of everything here, but a lot of my focus is on trauma, boundaries, et cetera. Gotcha. And you told me earlier, this is your first podcast, right? <laughs> it, yes, <laughs> it is. How exciting. <laughs> so I like to ask all of my guests this question that come on. What has been giving you energy lately? Okay, so I like that question. I've been doing a lot of shifts lately. So um, it's a lot of self-care, health, both physical and mental. Um, been really prioritizing um, the relationships that are meaningful to my life right now, like making sure I'm going on those weekend trips with friends, um, making sure I prioritize that time to go reconnect with people that are important to me, um, you know, physical health, that's always a thing. Um, and it's always the thing that gets put on the back burner. So I've really tried to put that to the forefront lately with the weather getting better and just, um, you know, those natural endorphins to try to boost the mood with the sun being out more now, thankfully. Awesome. So do you work with a large majority of college students or would you say you work with like older adults? It's a really good mix. Um, I would say lately I've had a larger influx of college-aged students. Gotcha. So, mm -hmm. Okay. So getting into this conversation, we're going to talk about a lot of different topics as I'm looking at some of the questions I have for you. Um, and again, my listeners and followers on Instagram put these questions in. And I also like, threw in some other ones for you. But just to start out, what made you want to become a sex and relationship therapist? And can you describe like what you do for those who don't know, which clients you see, and the purpose of your job? 
Absolutely. Uh, so, the, I mean, this question has so many answers to it. There's so many pieces that fell into place to get me to where I'm at right now. Um, I always wanted to work in a field helping people, you know, beginning, I didn't know if that was being a doctor, if that was working with animals, I didn't know what that was. Um, and I can't tell you exactly what led me into being a counselor, except when I got there, I fell in love. So becoming a therapist was legitimately a dream come true. Um, I gain a lot from my work, so it, it fulfills me. Um, you know, working in environments, clinics, locations prior to working here, there there was just such an obvious need for this field and such a small pool of opportunity to, to get there. So um, when the opportunity came up to work here, I jumped on it. Like there was just, there was just no other option. I was like, yes, absolutely. So many of my clients previously had these questions about sex and relationships and what's, you know, quote unquote normal. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know. So when I got here, I've just been soaking in every bit of information I possibly can from like such an amazing team. And then Emma's amazing and I, just learning. It's amazing. So that's really interesting. So you found that there was a need through the clients you saw previously and you weren't like in just the sex and relationship space before working for Emma? Correct. Yes. So I've spent some time working in private practice. I've spent some time working in um, agency work. Um, a lot of it was surrounding trauma. But um, within that, you know, sexual trauma was probably one of the, the largest. So it, it was it was just seeing that need. And then this is a place that can just meet that need on a different level. Um, there's just this passion for empowering others you know, erasing the shame and stigma that comes along with sex, just saying the word sometimes. Um, so you get to educate and provide the support for those people that, that need those answers and don't know where to get them. At first, was that weird for you talking about sex with clients? Or because I, I mean, I know I said earlier to you, it's such a taboo thing that some people might not ever talk about or feel comfortable talking about. So for you, I'm assuming that it came pretty easy. <laughs> so I think I was so e I was so eager to learn about it for myself that it was it was just naturally came out. Like I would just be talking about it and you know clients come in and they're very uncomfortable to bring up sex. And I'm like, listen, just just put it out there. You know, <laughs> we're talking about it. So at first going to my first trainings I was like whoa like it's a whole new world but now it's just you know I, I feel like I talk about it everywhere I go <laughs> so <laughs> were you did you talk about sex a good amount growing up um like in your house with friends childhood no <laughs> um so growing up you know I lived in a very very small town um, we didn't, it wasn't something that was widely talked about at all. There was a lot of uh, stigma. There was a lot of shame. Um, you know, it just was, it was taboo. We didn't talk about it and it was something you didn't talk about until after you were married with other married people. So, um, this has been a breath of fresh air for me. Okay. So getting in to my next question. 
Mm-hmm. What would you say are the main challenges that college students face regarding navigating sex and relationships? Yeah, that's a deep question. Um, and there's probably a lot of answers to that. I would say from from my practice that it's a pretty big mix of social pressures and boundary setting, um, as well as like you're exploring who you are as a person now in this new environment. So a lot of these, a lot of college students, they're they're leaving home for the first time. They're out on their own for the first time. So they're trying to immerse themselves into a completely different culture, basically. Um, and we can't ignore that college environment has its own norms. It is its own culture. It is unique environment. So, you know, I see clients frequently who just don't know, and these are college-aged clients, I'm sorry, but they don't really know what they want in a relationship, only what they've been taught or told they should want in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So now they've got this conflict between the two. So it's like, but this is what I've been raised or taught to want, and I should want this. But in reality, that doesn't feel right. That's not what I want. Yeah, so I think that's a big one. I can relate to that in some aspects just because, you know, I'm currently in college. I went through a long-distance relationship my first year at school, which was really hard. Um, And then now I'm currently with my boyfriend who goes to UC and we've been dating for like over a year, but I think it's definitely like comparing yourself to others on social media, um, what you see in like movies, like it all has an impact on how you think your relationship should be. And even regarding sex too, like the whole porn industry is another thing. I don't know if you like talk a lot about that, but it's like before I, before I did things, I was like, oh, this is how it should be be like right Right. and then when it happens I'm like no that's not that's not what it should be so it's interesting you say that absolutely and I mean now especially since the pandemic okay technology is just is this whole other beast so between seeing people on social media dating apps dating websites I mean Facebook Instagram's a big one. Um, and then, yeah, insert this other, this wildcard porn, right? Which a lot of people, that's how they're getting their sex education is from viewing porn because um, it wasn't talked about, right? So then they're like, oh, well, this is how it should go. This is how it should be. It should be amazing every time. Um, and in reality, that's just not the case. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people can put pressure on themselves too to have it be perfect um Mm -hmm. or to have that relationship you know go well all the time and that's just not realistic at all so what are some ways that we can overcome these challenges so of course my (laughs) I'm, i'm a therapist and my first recommendation would be you know if you feel like therapy is for you um try it Um, I've been to therapy. I loved it. It changed my life. Um, I had a really good therapist and that helped, but also not being afraid to, to recognize that they are challenges that you don't have to push through them. Um, that if they are, if they are challenges and they are impacting you, that you deserve the time, the space and the energy to, to work on them, to overcome them. 
Mm, I love that. And I also just mentioning like the whole going out culture too. I think that that's also associated with, I don't know, these negative feelings that you might have around finding a partner or your relationship or sex, you know, like hookup culture. That's all so big, especially in college. Absolutely. And I've got plenty to say about, about hookup culture. Um, you know, good, bad, and neutral, you know, it's, it's not something to, to shame necessarily, but if it's not for you, it's not for you. Um, you know, I've a wide variety of clients and everybody experiences it differently. Um, I think hookup culture has this, this negative vibe to it in a way. Um, but you know, it can be the way that you express yourself sexually. Um, and you're empowered by it. And then there's others, and this is maybe more about what I would focus on today. It's like how to not struggle with feeling like you have to be engaged in that culture. Like feeling like I don't have to engage in hookup culture to meet my partner. Um, See, I wish that I would have had this conversation with you two years ago or last year when I was feeling the pressure of, okay, well, I'm, I'm single now. Like I'm in college. I should be doing these things. I should be like going over to his place, like all of this stuff I would feel. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like, no, I'm, I'm setting these brown boundaries for myself. Like that's not what I feel comfortable with. I would feel okay, but I would also feel that like why am I different? Or why do I not want this when everybody else around me is doing it? Right. That sounds like feelings, feeling defective, right? It's like, I don't fit in with this. There must be something wrong with me that I'm not enjoying casual sex. Um, so, you know, in reality, it, it's, it can be very difficult to, in, in college, we see people, it looks like they're having fun. It looks like they're having a good time, but we don't actually know what's going on. We don't, we just like social media, right? Instagram, it looks like it's the perfect family, but on the other side of that screen, it's falling apart. So we just really don't know if they're having fun. Um, And a lot of hookup culture, you know, it's teaching us to kind of dismiss those feelings that naturally come up after sex. I mean, that's, it's chemical, it's biology. Um, When you engage in sex and intimacy, there's, neurotransmitters there's hormones there's all these stuff that just it skyrockets and they're known to deepen those feelings of attachment like it's why some people want to cuddle after sex you know they want that aftercare portion and hookup culture teaches us to no 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 that's a no no don't do that um we don't want to get right um but for some that's and for most that's a need we need that there's there's all these rules I feel like associated with, you know, a hookup, or if you go on your first date with a guy, like, do you have sex? Do you not? All of these mm-hmm. like social things we should be following when it's like, you could just do what you want to do <laughs> and not be ashamed for it. Yes. Like what, what do you want? You know, you ask yourself before that, what am I, what's my intention for this experience? What do I want to get out of it? Am I looking for a relationship? You know, and then making, acknowledging that in yourself instead of, oh, well, I don't want to be perceived as the clingy one. I don't want to be perceived like I'm trying to wife up, right? It's, it's, what do I want? And what's important to me? What's going to better my life moving forward? 
So that, that self-awareness is important. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to get into some questions from those who wrote in on Instagram. We have a few different ones here, and they're all kind of, you know, all over the spectrum. So I'm going to start with this first one. How do I not feel bad if I'm not in the mood for sex, but my significant other is? Okay, so this <laughs> is probably the most frequently asked question in my practice, both with individuals and couples. It's it's all over the place. Okay, so um, first, you're not alone. Okay, it it's all it's very desire discrepancy is just it's a big deal here. Okay, we see it all the time. Um, it, you know, this, we, we call it, there's a lot of names for it, desire, discrepancy, mismatch, libido. It, it's one person is, has a higher sex drive than the other. Okay. Um, it can be emotionally, mentally, even physically draining. Okay. It can have those draining effects on a relationship because you, both partners have that internalizing that as it's, there's something wrong with me right? There's something wrong with me because I don't want to have sex or there's something wrong with me because my partner doesn't want to have sex with me. Um, so, so I would say, you know, communication, talk about it. Okay. Putting it out there helps to, to validate that for both of you. Like, okay, it's not my fault that they don't want to have sex with me. Um, or it's, it's not their fault. It's, it, this is what's going on. And you're learning about each other and you're building that foundation of trust with your partner, if that's what you want to be able to practice vulnerability and talking about that. Um, it can sound really daunting, all right? Because being vulnerable in a space, especially this one, talking about sex and intimacy, it, especially if you've never talked about it or been taught that you shouldn't, like this is, it's a scary experience, absolutely. Um, but we don't want to keep harboring those thoughts, those negative thoughts towards ourselves and towards our partner. Sometimes just opening up the conversation is all you need. Just being able to put it out there and be okay with not having sex sometimes. That's right, that's right. another big piece. I mean, I think Emma, um, the owner of the practice, she said it best, like the best way to be okay with saying yes to sex is learn how to say no in the first <laughs> place. Being okay with saying no to it. So there isn't this expectation, obligation. Oh, I have to perform. I have to pretend. Um, am I going to have an orgasm, right? Then those things get in the way of, of wanting to have sex. I looked up just out of curiosity, like what are the top reasons or top questions that people ask sex and relationship therapists like during their sessions? And one of the top questions that came up was, okay, what's like normal? What's the normal amount of times to have sex every week? or like per week or per month. And I thought that that was so interesting, this pressure to like, make sure you're having enough sex or make sure you're performing. It's right. so real. And it's like, there's, it's whatever works for you. I mean, there's so many things that can play into <laughs> that your sex life. Mm -hmm. So uh, another, that's another question I get all the time. Like, oh, well, is this normal? It's like, no. We don't, normal is not a word we're going to use. Okay. We're not going to use that in here. What, what feels good to you? What works for you guys? And I, you know, some it's every day. Other times it's once a month. It's what's working for you guys. There isn't a normal. We can't compare that. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of the guilt and shame 
mm-hmm. it stems from that. And it, it goes all the way back to like the rules and how you're perceived and how you think things should go. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So this next question, it's pretty broad. So how do I set healthy boundaries in a relationship regarding time in social settings, sex, et cetera? That is a very broad question. Um, and, you know, as a, as a therapist, I want to be like, well, I have, you know, 17 follow-up questions <laughs> to, so I can get to know you. Right. So if, if say this person were sitting in front of me in my, in my office, I would, I would want to know, you know, what kind of relationships were modeled to you growing up. Right. Mm-hmm. What, what was your history? Like, what do you want out of a relationship? Why do you feel like there needs to be a boundary here? Okay. And then why aren't there boundaries other places? What's going on here? What's your experience with setting boundaries? Um, you know, there, I mean, the list of questions goes on and on. So I could get a, a bigger response or a, a better response to that one. But it's ultimately one of the biggest rules of boundaries is something making you feel uncomfortable. Is something making you feel violated, right? That's the sign like, okay, I need to evaluate if a boundary needs to be put in here whether that's maybe I'm not comfortable going to a party where everybody's going to be, you know, completely blacked out, you know, but my partner wants to go there or my friends want to go there, but I'm really uncomfortable there. So I was going to ask with college students or, you know, all of your clients, whoever you see, what would you say is the most common area where you see like, people want to set boundaries or need to set boundaries? Is it with like in social settings? Is it with regards to sex? I would say, well, working, okay. So working in a sex and relationship practice. Yes. A lot of the boundaries I'm, I'm helping clients determine are, is regarding sex. It, it is like feeling guilty because they feel like they should be having sex more and that's like one of those flags for me if i'm hearing you say like i should be doing this more okay then let's take a step back why why do you feel like you should be right what's playing into that okay so this next question kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier with all of like the neurotransmitters and hormones involved after you have sex is there a way to regulate your emotions after sex? This is such a good question. It's such a good question. And it's a very, very important question. And it, I think that, I mean, this question probably originated because of lack of, of conversation about what's normal in sex, right? What's normal for the body to experience. Um, sex is, it's going to be a very emotional um, experience, even if it's, casual sex because of what I mentioned earlier with the biology, the chemicals, the neurotransmitters, all of this is contributing to, to your emotions. Um, but to back it up, I would start from what, what are you thinking before you even have sex, right? Do I actually want to be doing this? Right? So we're not talking about those extreme circumstances, but even in a safe, committed relationship, do I feel obligated to do this? Okay, because that is going to change the outcome. That is going to change how you feel afterwards. One thing, 
I would love to put out there and normalize is is being emotional and crying after sex. Okay. Oh, so listen, glad you said that. <laughs> listen, it was something that like when I learned that, hey, this is this is normal, this is okay, I was like, oh <laughs> thank God. <laughs> uh, um you know it there's multiple different reasons for that. Um one of the biggest is maybe you're really into this experience. You're having sex, you've got all of these chemicals going, you've got hormones going, and then the sex ends and, and you didn't have an orgasm or your climax. Okay. Where's all that going to go? So you've got all this built up and then there wasn't that release that we expected. So then our body releases through crying. Um, so it's not that, you know, that can be very kind of almost traumatic for both partners. Like if your partner's seeing you crying after sex, they're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> right. Um, nothing it's it, it didn't happen and sometimes orgasm doesn't happen and that's normal too so talking about that saying it wasn't anything you did you know I just it's part of the process sometimes and then you can cry if you even if you do have an orgasm some people that's crying is their go-to like coping skill and that's okay and it's normal and it doesn't mean anything bad happened okay but how do you deal with that right what do you do with it like I, I still don't feel good about that um what works for you after sex, right? And some of you might have heard like aftercare, right? That that's comes with sex. What are you doing after sex? Are there needs that you have? Can you explain aftercare or after what exactly that means? Yeah. Um, so aftercare, it's those moments after sex. So when you're done having sex, like cuddle time, some people like to cuddle, but some people like space. Both are typical reactions. Some people just want to have like, they've got to take to themselves to process and come down. Other people want that, that connection, like oxy oxytocin, right? The cuddle chemical, like they want to cuddle, they want the connection, they want to talk about it. Um, maybe they want to do something to connect afterwards. But that's, you know, is there a need for aftercare that isn't being met? And that's leading to a lot of emotions? Right? Are we immediately getting up and going to work or immediately getting up and separating you know think about what you're doing afterwards and if it's working for you or not so okay i'm gonna take a different spin on this then how do you feel about the whole friends with benefits situation as it as it regards like the emotional aspect that you could maybe start to form with somebody sure um, it's kind of coming back to emotions are going to play a role in this. Um, friends with benefits, it's, it's not, it's like that in between, right? The, there's this hookup casual sex, then there's this committed relationship, and then there's friends with benefits. What is that? Right. And that's back to, it's a personalized thing. What does that mean for you? Are you okay with this? Are you trying to meet a need? And are both parties being open, honest, and trusting to communicate, hey, where's the line? And is it coming close? Are we coming close to crossing it? How do I deal with those emotions with friends with benefits? Um, you know, I would say if you're experiencing deeper emotions for that person, it's time I to start thinking. Could you try again? <laughs> Is that your Siri? My phone's talking to me. Your series, like, I want to answer this question. 
Yeah, my watch. It was my watch trying to answer my question. What was I saying now? If you're experiencing deeper emotions. Yeah. So if you're starting to experience deeper emotions with this, you need to have that conversation. You know, maybe your partner, maybe that partner's feeling the same way, maybe not. Um, but ask yourself, okay, what am I looking for here? Am I ready for a more committed relationship? Um, and, and being honest with yourself too, instead of trying to maybe force something. Um, but being honest, because you both deserve that. You both deserve honesty. You both deserve to go after what you want in that relationship. It just might not be with that partner. Yes. And it all goes back to self-awareness. <laughs> I'm so much as it does. It's like, what do I need? Yeah. What do I want? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to skip this next question because I feel like we already answered it. The, mm -hmm. the embarrassment from not wanting to hook up. I felt like we talked about that earlier for like hookup culture mm -hmm. or is there anything else you want to add? Um, I, you know, there's a hookup culture. I feel like there's this big movement towards like, this is normal. This is great. This is awesome. You should all go through this like rite of passage in college that you should, yes. you need to be engaging in this. Like, in college, you think ghosting people is normal. One night stands are normal. Walk of shame. It's all part of the experience, right? Um, it doesn't have to be, okay? And and some things to ask yourself, is this right for me? Is, you know, do I view sex as more just, more, of, more than the physical, right? Am I looking for a partner? Do I experience a lot of emotions with it? Um, and is, am I suffering afterwards? Right? Am I experiencing a lot of negative feelings towards myself and others after it? Those are the questions you need to ask yourself because then, you know, is this adversely affecting my life at this point? But it's okay either. It's okay to not want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. There's no shame either way. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So this next one, any tips for dealing with long distance? All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> thinking about this question coming from, you know, a active duty military spouse, I spend a lot of time away from my husband over the past 10, 12 years. Right. Um, but I, I also did that in college. Okay. So some of this is experience. Like I dated very steadily through high school and went to college and it was long distance. Okay. Um, coming back to self-awareness, right? What do I want? Am I becoming a different person? Now, you know, leaving home, going to college, you're learning how to be the person you want to be, right? Learning out your likes and dislikes. You're figuring all that out. Am I changing, right? Am I holding on to a relationship because why? Right? Why am I trying to make this work? Um, and if you want to make it work, that's awesome. You can prioritize time. You can prioritize FaceTime calls and weekend trips, and you can make that work. But the first step is being honest with yourself. When you're in classes or doing social social settings, right? Am I feeling attraction towards other people? Am I feeling guilty afterwards, right? Because I have a partner that's long distance but maybe I'm shifting what I want now. 
but I'm still holding on to this and it's okay. Okay. Um, I have a lot of college aged clients that, that struggle with this. They're like, I feel so guilty, right? Because I'm attracted to this person, but I have a boyfriend and it's like, okay, so what's the difference here? What, what do you want? Right. Um, and talking through that, but knowing that it's also okay to change during this time and it's okay to, to have that kind of shift. Again, I wish I could have had this conversation with you a few years ago. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because, okay, can we just talk about like the dependence you can feel like on that other person mm-hmm. when you are doing long distance? Because I can remember I just started becoming like obsessed with everything that person was doing. Like, I almost felt like I couldn't be present at my own school because I was so focused on what they were doing. Yes. And I was almost changing into something I didn't want to become because like, I, I just couldn't even enjoy my own experience. And that was really frustrating. Right. And that comes back to kind of like, we're wanting to hold on to this, right? Because the alternative is grieving it. Okay. So we don't, we had this maybe very awesome relationship and everything was great, but then life happened and you moved apart. Okay. Um, you both change a little bit, but then you also have this, like, what are they doing? What's going on over there? Are they feeling the same things I'm feeling? Like what's happening? Um, Also, a lot of this, you know, you you experience a lot of your first with some of those partners. You know, when you go off to college, like maybe you had your first sexual experience with that person. So not only are you grieving the loss of your, uh, the potential loss of a relationship, but then you're also kind of like, well, that happened too, which is a whole other part of it, right? That's such a good point. And I think also for those who go into college with a partner from high school and you're doing long distance, it's that much harder because especially if you're away from home, they might be that one comfortable thing that was almost like in your past high school life that you're still trying to hold on to because you can't fully like let go of that. And that's how I felt. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's, I'm becoming a different person. I'm leaving this life behind. And it's that final tether. Um, And it's very scary. It's very, and we became, it's somewhat dependent on that. You know, I know in my own experience, I was terror. I knew, I knew, right, that I was ready to move on, but I didn't um, because I was terrified of what that meant. And then also, maybe I don't want to go into the dating world again, right? That's, I don't know if, the pandemic has taught us anything, but like dating's hard and it's scary. And you go, you experience all kinds of things when you start dating again. And that can be daunting in and of itself. Like maybe this is, this is safe. This is good enough. Um, so. Or that feeling of, yeah, like, I don't think I'll find anyone better. Like, so I'll just settle for what I have right now. Yeah. This is good enough. This is the best I'm going to get. I'm, I'm, this is safe and comfortable. Yeah. Okay, so our last question from our listeners. This one 
is interesting. Dating apps? Yes or no? (laughs) I don't know how you feel about dating apps. So I don't, I don't think there's a yes or a no to it. And, and, and this is why, right? Um, Because it works for some and it doesn't for others. Probably the biggest part of that is safety. And we hear about it all the time, right? Being safe online, but there's, there's so much to think about, right? Um, I had a, a colleague tell me about a, a dating app and she's like, you know, it's okay to not meet somebody as soon as you connect online. Like you can talk for a while, right? Before you, you meet in person, right? And then what does that first in-person meeting look like? You know, how are we being safe with this? Um, another thing, a huge evolution during the pandemic was dating apps because where did you go to meet people, right? So dating apps have a place, I agree. And I think there's, you know, depending on your intention behind what you're looking for, that's another one, you know. Um, what am I looking for casual? Am I looking for a hookup? Am I looking for somebody to meet a physical need? Or am I looking for a relationship that's going to change how you operate online and on a dating app, right? What's important to me in meeting a partner? Am I more introverted or am I more extroverted? Would I rather be out in a social setting or would I rather already have my kind of pool of people narrowed down to people that have similar interests, right? Which is, I think, a perk to dating apps. It's like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to go to bars all the time and I don't want to go do this. And I know I like these things and I want a partner that likes these things. I think that's a one of the perks to dating apps. I don't know if if you see this with your clients, but I know that even I'm kind of this way where I never wanted to create a dating app profile because I felt like it had a really negative connotation to it, especially Tinder. It's it's very like, okay, if you want sex, you go and you create a Tinder. So I was like, never ever are any of my classmates going to see me on Tinder because I wanted like, this sounds so dumb, but my reputation in that aspect to be upheld, I guess. <laughs> like, Not dumb at all. Not dumb at all. That's very, very common. <laughs> um, there, you know, I've talked to clients where I've suggested it. It's like, have you tried like online? And they're like, oh no, that's, I'm not looking for that. It's like, okay, so what are you looking for? You know, there's different <laughs> apps. Um, so that's actually brings me to to one of the points I kind of wanted to talk about dating apps was some of the shame and stigma that comes with it and for in ways people might not have thought of. Um, think about what we talked about earlier when we're talking about social media and Instagram and making those comparisons. Dating apps are part of that. Um, it used to be you went on a few dates, you had a lot of space between dates, and now you could have a date every night of the week with a dating app. With a different person. So yeah. we're shoving all of those emotions that come with whether failed dates, really bad dates, maybe some good ones, some rejection. Okay. And we're shoving that all into this smaller amount of time. So your brain's trying to move through all of this in a shorter amount of time than we've ever done before. So that's something mm-hmm. to think about, right? Especially if you're swiping on somebody and they're swiping the other way. Okay, and then you're like, well, what's wrong with me? You know, am I not good enough? So 
taking that into consideration with dating apps, there's there's a lot of that that happens. See, I've never even been on one, so I didn't even know, like, can you see if somebody doesn't swipe back on you? Mm. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. You know, like, to be, <laughs> been a long time. Um, <laughs> you won't match. I know on some of those, you won't match. So, like, if you don't match with them, you know they didn't swipe whichever oh. way. Yeah. So it's like, I want to connect with this person, but obviously they didn't, there's something about my profile they didn't like, so they didn't want to connect with me. That's crazy. <laughs> like that yeah. could be very, no, I know some of my friends will just be on it for hours, like swiping and mm-hmm. being it's- like, oh, they didn't, they didn't match with me. I don't know. And I'm just like, dude, get off. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, that's another, how much time am I spending on this? And what am I looking to get out of it? Right. Am I looking for somebody to meet up with? Is it making me feel good? Is this meeting a need for attention, not attention seeking, but like, am I getting validation from this? What's happening? Yes. And I, one more thing I want to say, I love the point you made where you're like, okay, well, if you don't want to try online, like, what are you looking for? And it's almost like maybe just give it a shot because you never know there's tons of dating apps um my boyfriend actually reached out to me on instagram dms mm-hmm. and for six months i was like i'm not going on a date i'm not going on a date this is not how i was supposed to meet somebody and my yeah. mom was like dude just go like give him one date <laughs> and then we've been dating for like a little over a year now so i look back and i'm like why did i put so much pressure on myself to meet somebody in person that I almost didn't even give this guy a chance. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it, it goes back to what, what are our views on it? Right. What do we view about the, what's our view on online dating? What do we think yes. about it? We've been taught. And for me, it was all oh, well, um, and how I was raised, right. Um, was, well, they couldn't meet anybody else out there so they had to resort to online dating and I think that is a stigma that we need to just absolutely eradicate right because online dating has it has just as many risks as meeting people in person just it's different it's just a different platform yeah that's an interesting spin on it I didn't even think like well if they're online they couldn't have met anybody in person but that's yeah that's absolutely not true um I hear it a lot and in here. That's why I I wanted to bring that up. Mm, That's good. So my last question for you, um, this is just from me, any tips for people who want to start therapy? This could be just, you know, general, um, or this could be for sex and, and relationships, but they are scared to do so. What would you say or any tips? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, First, it's validating that it is very scary. I am a, I am a therapist, and it still took me forever to to book a you know a session with my own. Um, so, recognizing that the hard by far the hardest part of starting is calling to make the appointment. Okay, that is the first step, and that is the hardest one. It gets easier after you book the appointment. Okay. Um, secondly. Know that it's okay if you go to therapy and the first one or two times you go to that therapist, you're just not vibing. Okay, you're just not. That's okay to switch. It's okay to 
you know, why, well, think about why do I want to switch is it from this therapist? Am I looking for an excuse not to go? Or is it because I'm just not clicking with them? It's okay not to click with the therapist. You can go find an, you can find another one that will. Okay. And it's normal. We, I know that. I know that there are some clients that are going to come see me that they're not going, we're not going to have that relationship. It's not going to work and that's okay. And we're not offended by it. Okay. If, if they're offended by it, it, it's, they're not for you. Okay. But, um, it's, it's a very personal, like vulnerable experience, right? Personal. So you want to make sure you're with somebody you feel comfortable with. So if you go through a few, that's okay too. Yeah, I love that because I've been over winter break. I took the time to start looking to see a new therapist. And I went through, I think four mm-hmm. different therapists. And I was just like, nope, this is just, I could not feel the connection. And I gave them multiple chances, but and it was very just like professional and I, I mean, they weren't offended. Like it's whatever works for you. So I'm glad that you brought that up and I'm not sorry. feeling like it's, it's your fault if things don't work out with. Yeah. It's a normal part of the process is, is finding somebody with, with the, the right connection. Yes. So do you have um, like an Instagram or I can give Emma's Instagram as well just to share or an email or something if people have additional questions or are interested in starting therapy? If not, it's okay. I don't have to put it out there, but. So Emma's is, you you might, do you have Emma's Instagram? So her Instagram would be I have one I'm just not as active as I would like to be on it um but (laughs) Emma's um the practice so where is her Instagram the email so if there's an email you would like to use and you'd like to get into contact with this practice um it's just contact at emma-schmidt.com. Okay. They're pretty easy peasy there. Um, and, you know, they respond very quickly with that kind of thing. We do, every therapist does a free consultation. Um, so if you online, all of our bios are on there. So um, we have, I'm not even sure how many therapists we have now, but everybody's on there. They have their bios, what they specialize in, the cost of the session, and um, you can schedule a free consultation with any of us and talk to you about what we do. You can get a feel for us, see if it's right for you, um, and kind of talk about what you need. So there's the email. um, So it's Emma-Schmidt, right? So Schmidt, uh, S-C-H-M-I-D-T.com. And uh, the phone number is 513-438-0448 to schedule or call if you'd rather do that. Awesome. And I will also put those in the bio as well. Um, So if you guys missed that, you can always go back and check on that. Um, But Emily, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. I know this is your first podcast, but hopefully it wasn't too bad. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking, but I'm glad it's a topic that needs to be talked about. So I'm very, very, very glad that you chose to have this on your podcast, right? I think it's important. Absolutely, and I'm so glad that you were able to come on because I know a lot of my listeners might not hear 
this kind of information um, at home. They mm -hmm. might not talk about it with friends. Uh, you might not learn about it in school. So I think that this was really important conversation to have. And I am super glad and thankful that you were able to come on. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for letting me be here. <laughs>